Welcome to the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of seven angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes, and you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Oh, hello, my friends. It has been way longer than I thought it was going to be, but I actually have a very good excuse. For those of you who follow me on social media, you probably are already aware, but I had a little bit of an event a couple weeks ago when my six-year-old son had a dirt biking accident and had a traumatic brain injury that caused him to have to be metaflighted from Billings to Denver Children's Hospital. So I was down there for the better part of a whole week with him recovering, and it's been about two weeks now, and I'm so grateful to be able to share that I think he's going to have a full recovery. (laughs) Wells is pretty fast and furious. He probably should be wearing a helmet while he's inside the house, But I'm glad to say that he's back at his normal 100 mile an hour speed. He's going back to school full time this week, which I think is just a miracle. So I'm so grateful to be back in my home, back into my routine. I had to play a little catch up last week, and this week feels so much more like my normal. So um, I'm glad to be back here with you in this space. I have so many things that I want to share with you. I know for many of you, you're out there doing this work on yourself alone. It's not fun, right? It's hard work. And I can be the support that you're not getting from anywhere else. And I often get emails from you guys asking, what happened? Where are you? I miss you. And I just want you to know I miss you too. When I'm not with you in this space, I miss you too. Okay, so this is a topic that is a long time coming. For most of you, you probably know I am a clinical pharmacist. I practiced in medicine for about 15 years before I left because I wanted to be able to offer people the true solution to this disease. And it's so gratifying and I'm so grateful. I've never looked back because the work that I'm doing in this world is so fulfilling to watch my clients completely transform their lives and create the health that nobody else believes that they can is just such an amazing experience. And I'm paid well for it. And it's just the most amazing thing to have this kind of work where I can be present for my family in the way that I want to. It's just such a blessing. I'm just so happy that I made this decision to do this work with you. So in light of that, many of you are probably wondering what I think about all of these injectable medications that many of you are on or being offered by your doctors and that many of you know people who are using them for weight loss. So I'm talking about a group of medications for type 2 diabetes that are called GLP-1 agonists. You're going to know them by their brand names. So we're talking about drugs like Ozempic, Trulicity, Munjaro, Victoza, Bayetta, and then there's the oral form, which is Ribelsis. And the branded form of Ozempic for weight loss is called Wigovi. So these are a class of medications that get a lot of press. They're often in the news 
They're being sold in places that are not even clinics by people who are not even medical providers for the use in weight loss, and they just get a lot of attention. So many of my clients and many people who come into contact with me want to know what I think about these drugs. Are they good? Are they bad? Should you use them? Should you not? So I thought I would come up with a podcast to help really just guide you through the decision of whether or not these drugs are something you want to incorporate into your strategy or your game plan for creating the health outcomes that you desire. So let's first just talk about what they are and how they work, right? Then I'll give you a brief overview of their characteristics and what kind of results that we see clinically with their use. I also am going to structure this conversation around the pros and the cons of using these. And I'm going to do it in a very neutral way so that you're able to make a decision for you that isn't influenced by my opinion and isn't shaded by what anybody else thinks about these drugs. Because the only opinion that actually matters is your opinion. So I just want to give you the information to help you decide what feels good to you. And that's always the right decision. Okay, so let's go back over the names of these so that we're all clear on what the agents are that I'm talking about. So the one that is the most commonly known for type 2 diabetes is Ozempic. It gets a lot of press. It's very effective. That's probably part of the reason why. Um, And it's becoming more and more widespreadly used. The one that came out after Ozempic, the newest kid on the block, is Munjaro. And Munjaro's a little bit special. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. It has a dual mechanism that makes it more effective than any of the others that have been brought to market before it. The original old school one in this class is Bayetta. And Bayetta has been turned into a once weekly by Durian. The one that came out right after by Durian was Victoza, and that's a daily injection. All the ones that have come after it, Trulicity, Ozempic, Munjaro, those are all weekly injections. So they're pretty convenient, right? You only have to take them once a week. The ones that are branded for weight loss include Ozempic's version, which is Wagovi, and Victoza's version, which is Saxenda. You're going to be hearing them referred to also as peptides. I'm seeing a lot of marketing that is calling them peptides for weight loss. These are being provided by medical aesthetic clinics in your local area, even by like alternative medicine providers. I've seen them marketed by like chiropractor type practices as peptides. What's really interesting is that these are branded expensive prescription products, right? But how are these clinics offering these drugs without prescription and without going to the pharmacy? Well, they're using compounding products that are not FDA approved. So that's probably important for you guys to just be aware of 
These are products that are being purchased from manufacturers that may not have pharmaceutical grade product. And the only reason that this is even happening is because of the dramatic shortage that was experienced in the last year with these drugs due to the high demand for weight loss. And the FDA was just allowing these compounding pharmacies to produce versions of these medications when they were in short supply. So just be aware that you may not be getting a high quality product if you choose to go to these places to get like a weekly injection for a fee. Let me tell you something. These drugs are not going to be going away. They are becoming more and more first line for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. They gained so much notoriety for weight loss, and they're highly profitable. There is another oral medication in the pipeline as well as another injectable that is probably going to be even more effective than the latest, Munjaro. So we're going to be seeing these gain not just more momentum, but probably become the standard of care very soon. Let's talk real quick about how they actually work. So if you were to look up the mechanism of action of these medications in any medical reference, you're going to find that they enhance glucose-dependent insulin secretion. What does that mean? It means that when you eat and your glucose goes up in response to absorbing those nutrients through your gastrointestinal tract, it triggers a natural endogenous, like natural insulin release, and these drugs enhance that. Also, they slow gastric emptying, which improves satiety. And when you increase satiety, you're not just doing it through the hormones of the GI tract, but you're also having an effect through the appetite center in the brain. This profoundly decreases appetite. This is actually where I believe that the true mechanism of action is for the people that find this drug to be highly effective. Their appetite is profoundly suppressed. And some people are even repulsed by the idea of food, like they're so turned off by food that they don't want to eat very much at all. And when they do eat, they eat very little before they are satisfied. This dramatically decreases the amount of food that they're eating. Okay. And of course, that's going to lead to weight loss. And in some people, it is rapid weight loss because their appetite is so profoundly suppressed. And also, of course, you're going to see it show up in your blood sugar control, right? If you're not eating very much, then you're going to see your blood sugars not rise very high or very often. In my clinical practice, I noticed that people who didn't have the appetite suppression did not see the benefits nearly as pronounced as those people who had the profound appetite suppression. And nobody actually talks about this as the primary mechanism of action, but I believe that it is. I believe that those people who do not eat very much are the ones who get the best or the biggest benefit from it. And if you think about it in this way, these medications do address the root cause of the problem, which for many is overeating and eating the wrong kinds of foods. If you're able to stop doing that or at least decrease it substantially, you're going to see the manifestation of insulin resistance directly improve. Now, there is kind of a downside to this that I haven't heard anybody talking about either, which is... When you don't eat very much, you don't get a lot of nutrition. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute when we get to the downsides. 
Let's look at the side effect profile of these drugs. Many of you are very interested in knowing that, and all of us should be. Truthfully, we should all be interested when we're taking a pharmaceutical drug, what the side effect profile looks like. And you're entitled to know that before you decide to take a drug, right? The side effect profile or the adverse reaction profile of these medications is quite favorable. They do not cause low blood sugars independently. Like if you're using them by themselves, they generally do not cause low blood sugars because they only have an effect when the blood sugar is rising, right? When your blood sugar is going up is when you see that enhanced insulin secretion. As for other side effects, we see some pretty serious ones that happen very rarely. Those would include pancreatitis and medullary thyroid cancer, which actually has only, I think, been observed in rats, but it was concerning enough that there's a warning on all of these agents that they are contraindicated in people with a family history or a personal history of medullary thyroid cancer. The biggest side effect that comes from these drugs is going to be nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. These can limit dose escalation. All of these drugs are initiated at a lower dose and then titrated up based on response and tolerability. The potential for nausea and vomiting is anywhere from 10 to 50% of all people who receive these drugs in the clinical trials. And so one out of two people are probably going to get nauseous or something close to that. Vomiting isn't as common, um, but I've seen it and it can be pretty bad if it happens, but it's not nearly as common as just nausea. There's one other side effect that I was impressed with the statistic on when I was doing my research for this podcast, and I did not, I was not aware of this, actually. There's a 37% increase in the risk of gallbladder disease with these drugs. Wow. I mean, that's kind of serious. I mean, if you think about the primary treatment approach in the United States for this is going to be removal of your gallbladder, which is a surgical procedure, that's something to be aware of. And I've had a gallbladder attack and it's no fun. It's it's like emergency room pain, right? So it's good to know that these drugs are strongly associated with an increased risk for that. Let's talk about the effectiveness of these drugs. So the A1C lowering potential in general of this class of medications is 1% to 2%. So what does that translate to? That translates to about 30 to 60 point drop on average in blood sugars. An A1C percentage point of 1% equates to 29 milligram per deciliter in the blood sugar reading. And so a 1% to 2% drop in the A1C on average is pretty impressive when it comes to the drugs that are available to treat type 2 diabetes. And interestingly, Munjaro has a 2 to 2.5% decrease in the A1C on average. Weight loss is also pretty impressive when compared to other drugs in the class or really any weight loss drug that's out there. When you look at clinical trial data in people with type 2 diabetes, we can see anywhere from 4 to 6% of total body weight lost among trial participants. And this sounds crazy, but the studies that are coming out for Munjaro, depending on the dosing, we can see results of like 15 to 20% of total body weight being lost among study participants that are on Munjaro. Now, remember that 
this is a dose-dependent response. Higher doses get better results, but sometimes higher doses are not tolerated. And so most study participants are just going to be advanced to the highest tolerable dose. And also I want to throw in there that Rebelsis, the oral version of Ozempic, is not going to produce as impressive results with blood sugar control or with weight loss as the injectable formulation Ozempic. That's pretty important to know for people who are thinking about which one that they want to try. Something else that's really noteworthy to mention as far as what's been observed in clinical trials is that These drugs are some of the only drugs ever brought to market for type 2 diabetes treatment that have demonstrated a mortality benefit, which means that they actually are seeing people who take these drugs live longer than people who are treated with other medications. And particularly those people who have cardiovascular disease seem to be surviving longer when treated with these medications versus other medications. And that is like a 12% relative risk reduction that I was able to find in one of the trials. So why is that? Well, these people are losing weight. Their blood pressure is being reduced. They are seeing better blood sugar control, and that's translating to improved survival, which makes total sense, right? That's pretty compelling. But again, I want to bring it back to it's not a mysterious mechanism. These people are eating less food and they're probably eating less of the nutritionally devoid foods that they were using for pleasure, for entertainment, for managing emotions, right? So just the decrease in eating the foods that made them sick is translating to improved survival. That is my conclusion. And I think it's pretty logical when you look at how most people are realizing benefit from these drugs. So let's jump into the question of should I take these drugs? Should I use them? Everybody is using them. Should I use them? My doctor thinks I should use this. They're trying to prescribe this to me. And so let's talk about the answer to that question. And I want to make myself clear right away. I have no judgment about whether or not you should use these drugs. The purpose of this podcast is to help you get clear on whether or not you want to use them. If your desire is to reverse your diabetes permanently, there are an infinite number of ways to go about it, and none of them are right or wrong. It's just about what feels good and sustainable to you. And as a coach, I will never tell you what your goal should be. I'm not going to shit on you, okay? Or what strategy is best for you. Only you get to decide that. My job is to equip you with the comprehensive, accurate information you need to help you gain clarity on what decision's best for you right now and then take action and help hold you accountable. So let's talk about the argument for reaching for these drugs as a strategy versus against using these drugs as a strategy. When we're talking about the argument for these drugs, these are a great option in the realm of medications. So if you are on insulin, this is a no-brainer to exchange for one of these or add it to your current insulin regimen to decrease your insulin load. Why? Because giving insulin injections to someone who is already insulin resistant 
will make their disease worse over time and is associated with more than doubling the risk of complications and death. That's pretty serious. And most people are not informed of that when they take insulin, when they're offered insulin. Insulin is also a high-risk drug because it can cause hypoglycemia, a low blood sugar, which is life-threatening and is estimated to directly cause 100,000 emergency department visits per year in the United States. Insulin can be extremely helpful as a short-term solution to dangerously high blood sugar levels, okay? Don't get me wrong. We don't want to just let our blood sugars roll in the two, three, four hundred and beyond. And insulin's very effective at bringing those into a normal range. But it's a terrible long-term strategy. You know, it's funny and tragic that healthcare providers have been trained to assess a type 2 diabetic on 100 plus units of insulin a day with an A1C of 7% as, quote, well-controlled. This is just an illusion at best, okay? So GLP-1 agonists are great options for those who need a medication. Next, these drugs are relatively effective at decreasing appetite, potentiating weight loss, and improving hyperglycemia, those high blood sugar levels. They work better than most of the other drugs that are available. In fact, most of the general population, those without diabetes, are aware of how effectively they work to help people lose weight because they profoundly decrease the appetite in many people. Like this can be a major advantage to being intentional with what you do eat, where it's way easier to choose wisely when you aren't that hungry, right? It's much more challenging to control what you eat when you're super hungry. We can all relate to that. Some people are gonna see their appetite return or at least their nausea self-resolve over time as their body adjusts to taking these meds. But while you continue to take these medications, what you do lose usually does stay off. It's pretty easy to use, one injection weekly, right, for Trulicity, Ozempic, and Munjaro. Rebelsis is the oral version, and these injections are virtually painless, although I will say I've had patients on Trulicity that describe pain and sort of these hardened nodules under the skin when they use their Trulicity, and that's necessitated switching agents, And this kind of leads me to the question of like, is one better than another? If I get to pick, which one would I pick? Overall, I think they're pretty comparable. And remember, your insurance formulary is probably going to have a big say in which one it is that you go home with from the pharmacy. But just for entertainment, I will tell you what some of the differences are. The newest are the most effective for the A1C lowering potential and the average weight loss seen in studies, right? So these are going to be Ozempic and Munjaro. Munjaro seems to be the most effective yet. Side effects of nausea and vomiting can also be more common as well. See how those kind of go hand in hand? Like how well they work is how turned off they make you about food, (laughs) Munjara's effectiveness may be related to the fact that it has effects on two different incretin hormones rather than just one. So in addition to the GLP hormone, it also affects GIP 
And I'm not going to tell you the long names, like who cares? They're really long and you'll never remember them. So I'm not going to bore you with the long name of what GIP stands for, but it just seems to potentiate or enhance the glucose-induced insulin secretion. And it's also more effective at shutting down your glucagon response that can be inappropriate. And that's just when your liver is dumping glucose into your bloodstream inappropriately. Like you just ate, but yet your liver is still pushing out glucose into your bloodstream. That doesn't make sense, does it? And so these hormones that these drugs affect manipulate that to make sure it's not inappropriate for your liver to be doing that. And this Munjaro seems to be even better at that. So one more big advantage of these drugs is that they have a pretty benign side effect profile. So compared to other drugs used to treat type 2, they don't carry the risk of hypoglycemia when they're used alone, which is why they can be used for weight loss in people without diabetes, right? We covered some of their other adverse drug reactions earlier, and the serious ones are very rare. So are you guys sold on these drugs? Not so fast. <laughs> Let's cover the arguments against their use. Okay, so the biggest one in my perspective as a coach who works with people who generally want complete reversal and inherently don't want to depend on meds for the rest of their lives is what it takes to create the results you desire is usually what it takes to keep those results, guys. So if using a GLP-1 agonist as a major component of your plan to reverse this disease, it's going to become another step in removing it if your end game is to eliminate all of your meds, right? Now or later, eventually you're going to have to do the work of making it obsolete through lifestyle measures. Now, sometimes getting a boost in the right direction can be heartening and build your confidence and motivation, and there's nothing wrong with using a GLP-1 to provide that. But I want you to be prepared for a little setback or maybe even a big setback when you drop it from your game plan. And I want you to be ready to up your lifestyle game. The truth is that most people regain the weight when they stop. Maybe not all of it, but sometimes they do and more. In that way, they're very similar to other weight loss medications that have been brought to market. When people stop taking them, they generally do see their weight come back. And why is that? It's because they didn't go to the root cause, which is their relationship with food, right? I want you to remember that there is no drug that is as powerful as what you can do with your diet and your lifestyle to heal your body. And these are always going to be available to you. Okay, so other disadvantages to using GLP-1s, nausea and vomiting, loss of appetite. Maybe that sounds like an advantage to you, but consider that it could be hard to get enough nutrition aka protein, fiber, and micronutrients, when you have no desire to eat. In this scenario, it is critical to be very intentional when you do eat in order to get adequate nutrition. Many people drop so much weight so fast that they lose muscle mass. This is a big problem for many reasons. One, your muscle mass is extremely valuable for aging strong, functional, and independent. 
It is also directly tied to your cognitive function. Use it or lose it is a true statement. And if you lose it, it is so hard to get it back. Number two, if you ever decide to come off your Ozempic or whichever one you're taking, your biggest glucose burner, which is your muscle mass, is going to be diminished. So your metabolism will be much lower and that will be an obstacle for maintaining normal blood sugar levels because you won't be burning as much glucose all day long, right? Combine that with a renewed interest in food and an increased appetite and you have a recipe for body fat gain, which will worsen your insulin resistance, right? Okay, so one more downside to using these drugs is that they become a distraction from doing the work to reframe your relationship with food. If you are a person who overeats, like in social situations, when you're stressed, or because food is a main source of pleasure for you, seeing weight loss and normalization of your blood sugars while still keeping these habits won't allow them to come to light so that you can overcome them. Eating less nutritionally void foods to solve emotional problems can lead to only so much progress. And when you stop using the Band-Aid, your relationship with food will remain a major obstacle to address in order to create the kind of freedom and peace around food required for lifelong health and well-being. The last downside is that costs can be pretty steep. All of these drugs have a monthly cash price around $1,000. Copays can be cost prohibitive, and as we age and move into Medicare coverage, these drugs become out of reach for many of us. So that's why most people are going to be at the mercy of their insurance of whether or not they can even access these drugs as an option. Okay, so I hope I've given you a complete and neutral overview of the general knowledge, utility, and benefits of these medications, as well as the risks and the potential downsides of choosing them as part of a strategy for reversing type 2 diabetes. And now you get to decide. For you, what are the pros and cons of adding them into your game plan? Are you okay with continuing to use these for like the rest of your life if you have to? And if not, why would you start using them now for a temporary period of time? What would be the advantage of doing that for you? Now, if you're already on these and you're contemplating stopping them, your doctor might not be on board. How would you handle their resistance? This is just one of many decisions that I help my clients move through with certainty and confidence. I can't overstate the value of having an expert and an advocate in your corner as you brazenly navigate the path of healing in the face of so much adversity and self-doubt. If you're feeling alone and unsure on this journey, guys, I'm your lifeline. You know who you are. You're out there going it alone, getting stuck and feeling the weight of it, hoping that you will get somewhere. I want to tell you, even those of you who never reach out to me, that I believe in you. I am rooting for you. And for those who are ready to solve this problem now, 
and quickly, I'm calling you in. This is me calling you in. I want you to go to my website, sarahtownley.com, click on the work with me button and send me an application so that we can get on the phone and talk about where you want to be in four months from now. All right. Thanks for joining me for this scintillating topic on GLP-1 agonists. And I will be back as soon as I can with another awesome topic for you on the next podcast. Take the best care of yourself until then. Okay, don't leave yet. You're going to want to hear about this. If you love my podcast, if I'm the only sane voice you found on this subject, if I've already helped you, you need to check out my online course. It's a start to finish step-by-step video course that teaches you all the tools you need to know to beat this disease. You can find it on my website, sarahtownley.com, along with lots of other free tools that will make taking care of your diabetes so much easier. So get over there right now. See you there.